What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Two Smart Dummies podcast. This is episode four. Thanks for joining us again. Hopefully, you've enjoyed it up to this point. Beatty, what's up, man? Nothing much. You have a brain freeze? I did. I did. <laughs> I got an email right as that as I started talking, and uh, yeah, it messed me up. Uh, all right, guys. Today, we're going to talk about the NFL. I mean, I hope everybody, everyone enjoyed week one. Um, started out pretty brutal on, on Thursday, uh, but they seem to have picked up a little bit. We'll go over the college football week two. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the Serena Williams controversy, and then we'll touch on some NBA topics a little bit later. But first, man, let's get to your team Thursday night um, to open it up on on, uh, on opening weekend. What did you think? Uh, I like the way the Eagles looked. That's kind of how I thought the game would go. I always figured that it would be a sloppy game. As I said, Nick Foles does not play good outside, so I didn't expect a spectacular game for him. I am amazed at um, – Matt Ryan's ability, lack of ability to get in the end zone with Julio Jones. There was a stat saying something like he's one for 20 in the last red zone possessions trying to get it to Julio. How is that possible? Uh, I think it's possible because Steve Sarkeesian is their offensive coordinator and he's possibly the worst offensive coordinator in the NFL. Um, you know, a, a simple thing to do when, when Julio Jones is covered one you know double covered one-on-one and they know you're gonna or excuse me double covered um in the red zone and they know you're gonna throw them the ball is why wouldn't you run a bunch formation and try to confuse the defense instead of for the second year in a row i mean really you haven't changed anything in nine months i mean that, that that was just inexplicable yeah and they ran them they i guess they had a play that they used in practice that must have worked because they ran that same five wads play like twice where Julio was obviously being doubled out of the slot. And then when they try to throw the jump ball fade to him, they do it on like third or fourth down instead of doing it on first down. Everything about the play calling just looked weird to me. I don't understand how you can have 10 receptions, 169 yards, and no touchdowns. That's just unexcusable. Yeah, um, and, you know, that Thursday night game was rough, man. First of all, they, they got off to a very late start with the rain delay. Um, it was sloppy. The the pen, the refs, man, gosh, that was – it was tough to watch. And I imagine it was tough for either team to get any kind of momentum going just because of – I mean, there was 25 accepted penalties and probably 40 flags thrown all together. I mean, that's just – the NFL wants to know – why they're losing viewers i don't think it has anything to do with kaepernick i don't think it has anything to do with players kneeling or any i mean that's probably a slight part of it but it's not a good product man it's really not a good product when you ha- when you only have one game on i don't want to overreact it just the nfl when you have one game on for the night it's not a fun thing to watch yeah especially if the game isn't exciting and the biggest problem that i saw over the weekend with all the games you could see the teams that left their players out of preseason. Like, all these teams looked really rusty. The first half of all the games I saw were pretty bad. And then in the second half, they started to turn it on and get their rhythm. I think that's a direct correlation from leaving your starters out of the preseason trying not to get them hurt. But I'm going to tell you one thing. This new rule of body weight on the quarterback, that's the most ridiculous thing I've saw. It's pretty bad. Yeah, everybody thought it was going to be the helmet rule the the um tackling head first but 
I think it's that quarterback weight thing because I saw a lot of those bad calls on like third and 17 and the dude get a sack and it's a personal foul penalty. That's, those calls have been big this weekend. Yeah. Um, and you know what? Kind of touching on your earlier point that it really it just seems that the September, and, and this has been said now, I mean, you know, September is basically the preseason, and it makes sense from your team standpoint. To I mean, you look at the Rams Raiders last night. Um, you know, the the Rams were definitely started off a little bit funky, and and I think uh, whoever was calling the game, Jason Witten or the other Joe Tessitore, whoever it was, they <laughs> mentioned that the only time that that this was the first time that Brandon Cooks, um, Todd Gurley, and Jared Goff had all been on the same field together. Um, they they didn't play a single snap in preseason together. So, um, you know, that's just yeah, I mean September you're going to either sacrifice a couple losses or you or you know, you're going to start off slow. These games are going to be sloppy, but you know, by October is usually when everyone starts to round into form. So, I think a lot of people are going to overreact to what they saw this weekend. Oh, this team is great. Oh, this team sucks. Um, just, you know, slow it down. Just understand that at least for the first two or three weeks that None of this means anything as far as what these teams are going to look like, uh, you know, in the coming months. So what game stood out to you over the weekend? Um, you know, I think you and I talked a little bit about the, the Steelers and the Browns. Um, the Browns, they, they look good, except for their coaching is still iffy and their quarterback decision. I mean, I don't understand why they're not going to play Blake, Baker Mayfield. I, I think that Tyrod's a good quarterback, but, I mean, he had a terrible game. The, the, the Browns should have won that game. I'm glad you've come to the dark side and now you're on the Baker train, the Baker RV, because you were seriously hating on him in some of the lost episodes. But I feel like <laughs> starting Tyrod Taylor is playing not to lose. They're playing it way too safe because you play Tyrod Taylor cause, because he doesn't throw interceptions and he'll scramble and doesn't take losses. But that the way, starting this is a perfect first game for them to get a tie because they should have won that game, but because you started Tyrod Taylor, you, you, you tied. Lost you yeah. lost, Oh, basically. yeah, you tied, yeah. Yeah, yeah you're I mean, right, yeah. You tied, but that's what you're getting out of Tyrod Taylor. Well, Tyrod Taylor's an 8-8, eight and 9-7 eight, and seven guy. That's all you're going to do. That's right. at best. That's that's the ceiling. So why not go with Baker Mayfield, man? You're 1-31. <laughs> what do and you have to lose? Baker, and if you play Baker and you have a just an okay season, doesn't that save your job? It's like, all right, look, we had a rookie quarterback who showed some promise. Um, we're on the uptick, so give us one more year. But if you play Tyrod and you're just – middling i mean obviously anything's an improvement over one in 31 but you know what i mean it's just like well yeah we should have been better we'll get a new coach in here who's gonna know what the hell they're doing so i take i take five wins from baker over seven wins from tyrod any day absolutely yeah i i come i 100 agree so what other games was besides oh well i did want to touch on one thing had a big miss in our fantasy preview of going don't play james Conner, and he just busted out for 135 yards, two touchdowns, and like 50 receiving yards. You think that was a fluke? I don't think it was a fluke. I think he's a good running back. Um, do I think? I again, I I, I still think that um, it's week one. I think James Conner's a good running back. Do I think he's Le'Veon? Do I think this did anything for them? Saying, ah, look, we don't need Le'Veon. We've got this guy. No, um, I still think that Le'Veon, you know, is a more dynamic back and does more dynamic things for that team. Um, but no, he showed, he showed out to be exactly, I mean, if he hadn't had cancer, he was a first round talent. So, um, you know, he's going to be a good back and I think he's the future of that backfield. 
Well, I know a lot of people were looking and was like, well, with James Conner, you don't need Le'Veon, or they might let Le'Veon walk. I looked at it from a total different perspective. I looked at it as this is exactly why Le'Veon did not want to show up and he doesn't want to show up. The dude had 31 rush attempts and like eight passes. He had almost 40 times touching the ball, and that's not counting blocking and anything else he's doing. They're going to run him into the ground. They're going to run Le'Veon in the ground. He played on a franchise contract last year and had like 430 rush attempts. So he's going to play on it again so they can run him into the ground and then not pay him like Dallas did to Marco Murray? No. Let the young kid take those carries. If I'm Le'Veon, I'll sit out as long as I can and not take that toll on my body if they don't want to give me my money. I 100% agree. Um, as far as other games, man, I, um, I'll i kind of jump around a little bit. Um, I do want to touch real fast on the uh, Packers-Bears. Or do we want to save that and get to some of the other games? Uh, Yeah, let's go Packers-Bears. All right, Packers-Bears. Um, first of all, great Sunday <laughs> night game when uh, it looked like that was going to go the way of the Thursday night game and just be a real dud. Uh, everyone kind of held their breath when Aaron Rodgers went down, and we kind of, you know, all like, well, the season's over. And in the meantime, you had Khalil Mack over there just wreaking havoc on um, Deshaun Kaiser, which is not hard to do. But and Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, but in Kaiser's defense, Kaiser looked way better than he did last year. In the little bit of time that he got, even under pressure, he looked way better than he did last year. With the Except Bryant. for handing the ball to Khalil Mack that one play, but that's what Khalil Mack does. Um, <laughs> that guy's but, strong, man. I mean, he's incredible. I, again, I, Khalil Mack is is amazing. Um, but so I had I had a moment of weakness during the game, as I'm sure every Raiders fan out there did. When we were watching that. <laughs> uh, but you know, as the game unfolded, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers came back and was just incredible. Um, but the, as the game unfolded, you kind of started to see Khalil Mack was barely in there in the second game. Now, or excuse me, in the second half, and a lot of that's due to you know he missed training camp and he wasn't in shape yet. But one player does not affect the outcome of a game other than the quarterback. And it was good with I, I was good with the Raiders' decision to trade Mack. It sucks. I hate it, but I'm good with it. Um, but that was a great yeah. game. Yeah, he totally dominated the first half, but. Um, as I said, I just can't play an outside linebacker that much money because there's so many things that you can do to eliminate them. You can literally say, I'm going to shift my whole line and chip block and make someone else on the other side beat me. I mean, that just cuts your cuts your impact down. All they did was they spread they spread the um, they spread the bears out, forcing them to go into like a dime package with four down linemen, and then they put help on max side and it kind of eliminated him altogether well i mean and you look at the same thing with the rams and the raiders game last night aaron donald didn't have a tackle or a sack a tackle anything um because the raiders have the dink and dunk master Derek carr who just gets the ball out of his hands so fast and he's jumpy um that it really did and Derek carr was awful last night but he they really he did had a neutralize. good first half though you got to give him some credit if you're talking about not playing the preseason you got to give Derek carr I the mean, same it, benefit it, of doubt it, is it hard to go 13 for 15 when you throw the ball three yards from the line of scrimmage? It's really not. But He's that's, just Gruden, check that's down. Gruden's offense. Gruden's not offense. Really. Yes, it is. That's what it's always been. He's, he's ran a West Coast offense, a run-heavy offense, and a Tampa 2. That's but been, while, always been. While we're Gruden. on that, 
I will say, I'm in on Gruden. I think Gruden called a great game. I thought Derek Carr was just a straight-up atrocity. Um, you know, happy feet. If you get if you get anywhere near him, the guy throws the ball out of bounds or checks it down. Um, but I, I thought that John Gruden actually called a great game, and he had the, the Raiders in position to really win that game uh, until uh, check down Charlie Carr decided to, I mean, just throw it away. But um, so I well, mean, there two- is something to be said about I don't know if the receivers were helping him out. I mean, you had Jared Cook, the tight end, had 180 yards, but besides for him, nobody else really got open down the field. Well, they didn't even target Amari Cooper, um, except for three times. And yeah, like we talked about, I mean, he was going against a that Rams defense is great; it truly is. But yeah, I mean, you have a 32-year-old starting wide receiver in Jordy Nelson, and you have you know Amari Car- Amari Cooper, who everyone thinks is a number one, but really he's a number two. Um, who gets treated like a number one? So, the Raiders are going to have issues. They're going to they're going to be better than they were last night. But I mean, they they were just they were a shit show in that second half last night. Um, what other games stood out to you? The Texans Pats. Man, I was really disappointed in Deshaun Watson's performance against the Pats. I thought that game was going to be a shootout. I thought it was going to be really excited, exciting. And you just saw Watson be a shell of himself. Now Watson is coming off an ACL injury. He's rusty. But I just had higher expectations. But on the flip side, it kind of makes me think that Patriots defense might be real this year. I mean, they added Danny Shelton. You got Gilmore playing excellent out there. And I never thought Eric Rowe was a bad cornerback. I just thought that the Eagles didn't trust him. And he played very well, even when Hopkins was on his side. So that game stood out to me. Um, And then the other game that stood out to me was the Chiefs and Chargers. Mainly because I see the Chiefs doing the same shit that they did last year. Coming out with that gimmicky offense, looking good, putting up a lot of points. But I just feel like they're going to hit a wall sooner rather than later this year. Because that shit is all throwing to Tyreek Hill deep, college plays, people running underneath, kneeling down. Just all gimmicks. And I think they're going to shut that down pretty quickly. Yeah, as far as the Texans-Patriots game goes, I, it kind of made me think two things. A, Bill O'Brien's a terrible coach. Uh, and, you know... There was there was a play <laughs> where the pay, where the Texans were basically on the they were in the red zone they were inside the five yard line they finally had a matchup with DeAndre Hopkins on one on one and instead they ran a run play with Deshaun Watson that just I mean made no sense at the time it made no sense now it was just it was bizarre um, but I, I also think that them not having Will Fuller really hurts that offense I, I didn't realize that how integral he is but that he really does take the top off of that that uh of the defense and that that helps spread out teams um i don't think that was really the problem though because they've had they went long stretches without will fuller even when watson played last game watson was just not reading the uh defense very well bruce ellington was open a bunch of times over the middle and he was looking like a running quarterback like Cam Newton, just pulling it down, running before he even looks at the field. So Watson's a little, Watson is a little shook out there. Yeah, he's probably rusty. Um, and to touch on the Chiefs Chargers, I tell you what, Phillip Rivers should sue his <laughs> wide receivers. He really should. And his I mean, GM. I mean, he, he should. The, the guy threw for 424 yards, and he had two passes dropped in the end zone by Travis Benjamin, who dropped – I mean, he dropped two or three passes in the game that hit him right in the hands, and then one by Tyrell, uh, Tyrell Williams. I mean, two passes that were just on a dime in the end zone, one-on-one coverage, and both of them dropped it. And, uh, and he threw for 420, and at least one of those passes was like for 60 yards to Travis Benjamin. Yeah, 
I mean, the the dude probably could have thrown for 500 yards and five touchdowns, to be honest. I mean, yeah. But he he should straight up file a lawsuit against his receivers because every single year people talk about the Chargers injuries, but every single year, man, his team finds a way to let him down. Um, real quick before we get to some of the other games, I want to ask this. Um, I I asked this as I was watching the Monday or the Sunday night game, um, but I want I just asked as a placeholder and, and listeners out there, I kind of want to get you guys' feedback on on the Twitters and on the uh, the Instagram. If Tom Brady was in the NFC and Aaron Rodgers was in the AFC, will we be talking about Aaron Rodgers as the GOAT? I don't think so because I think there was a period of time. The NFC is just now coming back around to being the toughest division, but there was a long time when the AFC was a tougher division than the NFC. So I don't know if we can say that just based on Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady having a softer division. Now, the fact that his his actual – well, conference. I should say conference because – the fact that Tom Brady's division is so weak, that's an interesting argument. Yeah, that's a guaranteed really five conference. to six wins a year yeah, being in that division. Yeah, and Aaron Rodgers is playing the Vikings, the Bears, who, you know, kind of alternate on if they're good or not. Lions, Lions well. no, yeah. I don't I don't give them any respect. I'm not even after the performance last night, I will not be mentioning the Lions until they improve. This yeah, looked was- like the zero win Lions out there. That was terrible. Yeah, they were bad. But I, I just think that it's the same argument that people knock LeBron for. Oh, he played in the East. And I'm like, yeah, but Tom Brady's played in the AFC. He hadn't really had to go against, I mean, with the exception of Peyton Manning all those years. I can't think That's of. That's a big exception, man. <laughs> I mean, it is. Yeah, Tom Br- or, uh, Peyton Manning's a top five quarterback ever. But Aaron Rodgers just has to go through the ringer, you know, really week in, week out. You know, I mean, basically Tom Brady can. The only time that the Dolphins get tough is that that late game it's always in december in miami or if it's in new england the dolphins just seem to beat the patriots ass once a year but other than that i mean it's five wins in that division basically year in year out yeah i give you that i mean that division is weak and he's been comfortable in that division so if you're guaranteeing yourself five wins you only need um about five five more wins that's why matt castle was able to take over tom brady and win 10 games because that division is so weak you can almost put anybody in there and skate the 10 games just if they're competent um which which is a bad sign for the jets the bills who the jets look better this year the bills look awful and i don't know what the dolphins are they're the same every year yeah but the the dolphins are gonna i mean they're, they're the definition of a mediocre franchise they just really are well other than that, do you have any other games or players that stood out to you? Yeah, man. Um, the New York Giants, Eli was awful, terrible. But Saquon, that kid is special. And Odell is Odell. But, I mean, they I, see, so what do you do, right? You clearly got a stud in Saquon. But then you look at a guy like Eli. Eli's done. He is. He's just not good. So why do you do you take the position of drafting a franchise quarterback, which the Jets, judging from last night, I mean it's one game. Let's not overreact. But Sam Darnold looked good last night after you know shaking off that that pick six. So do you take a running back as great as Saquon may be, or do you just say let's roll it with Eli again? I mean, even though Eli is the reason we lost that game. Yeah, I mean, I definitely take Saquon because I thought, I mean, the kid looks special. I still think he's going to be special. You don't pass those special quarterbacks for need. I mean, special positions for need. That's kind of what the Browns have been doing for years, just passing up talent, searching for a quarterback. So I don't agree with that. 
But I do agree that the Giants have done themselves a disservice because they should have drafted a quarterback five years ago to set behind Eli Manning. Now they're stuck in a situation where you got Davis Webb and some other dude that Not I anymore. can't pronounce Davis his Webb name. Oh, he is? Yep. So they cut him because the other kid looked better, but they don't have anybody that you can really bench Eli for. I think they missed the opportunity because Teddy Bridgewater was sitting in their backyard. If they would have mm-hmm. just spent a third or fourth, I don't even know what he went for, but it wasn't that expensive, and set him down. Now, last year they tried with Geno, and it didn't work. But, I mean, Teddy Bridgewater has shown that he is a quality starting quarterback. All only question you have is his knee injuries, as opposed to going to get a Geno Smith last year and then giving him a shot. Get Teddy Bridgewater a shot. They could have got him for cheap. They could have signed want- him for cheap. He signed for $1 million. <laughs> Do we want to talk about the Saints completely shit in the bed? Well, the Saints are the Saints, man. The Saints just, they just don't focus on defense. That's the problem. <laughs> I mean, they lost the game, and it was ridiculous. It was 48-40, to 40, but they gave up 48 points to Ryan Fitzpatrick. The dude had like 400 yards, a rushing touchdown. That's just no attention to defense. Yeah. That's Ryan, a problem. Ryan Steve Young just came <laughs> out and ripped them to shreds. Uh, played the best game of his life, and he's 35. Uh, I saw this meme on, on the internets that uh, basically was saying that the cycle of Fitzpatrick is, uh, you know, second string, starter gets hurt, goes in, plays well, gets paid, sucks, and then starts the cycle all over again. And that's basically what he's done everywhere he's gone. So this dude's made a living off of a couple big games. And, God, hey, man, he it's, it's, it's working for him. It's working oh, for yeah. him. He's a, he's a smart dude. He knows when he needs to play well. When the pressure's on, once you give him a check or some stability, then he falls apart. That but, Harvard education working out for him. Yeah, I don't think this Saints team is going to be good. I mean, I know they started off bad last year. They started off 0-4 before turning it around. I just don't trust their defense, man. Their, their defense just looked awful. I mean, there's no – they just looked awful. <laughs> like I said, let's not overreact. So we'll see. I mean, we we're still we're basically still in the preseason. Um, so but with the that Saints said, defense have been awful for five years, though. They were better last year, surprisingly. Yeah. Um, that said, let's move on to college football, man. Um, we've got, I mean, pretty run of the mill as far as um, games last week. Uh, the Razorbacks really took one on the chin like idiots, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, did you see what you wanted to see out of some of the games that we pointed out last week as far as, you know, Texas A&M, Clemson, uh, who Texas A&M got the raw deal there? Yeah, I thought so, too. I was talking about it with some friends, and, you know, they were saying that that's a hard call to over- overturn, but I just think that's bad officiating. You can't call that on the field if it's 50-50. You called it as being a touchback. You can't call it as being a touchback because then you have to have, um, what is it called? Um it has to be definitive proof in order to overturn it. So I right. think they got screwed. Even though they came, you say they had to get the two-point conversion. But at that point, they could have scored, and they got the ball back. So you kind of took a lot of momentum from them. You can't do that to an underdog at home, man. It's just, it's just really rough for them. But Clemson looks really vulnerable. They always say if you if you have a quarterback battle going on, then you don't have a quarterback. And they're, they're flip-flopping between quarterbacks, and they don't have any stability there. So I think Clemson is the most vulnerable team to not get in the playoffs. Yeah, um, I will see. I, I think Clemson is. I, I just it's hard to count them out, man. They are in a weak conference, so they're the the prime candidate to get jumped if it ever happens. But um, I was pretty impressed with Stanford, as I kind of talked about a couple weeks ago. I just didn't think USC was any good, and uh, they kind of came out and showed that yeah, USC was no good. <laughs> but uh, you know, Notre Dame looked decent. 
Auburn looked really good. Um, but like I said, we, we all know that week two is cupcake week. Um, and it'll, it'll be time to see as we get into week three, week four, where people really stand, um, you know, moving forward. We did have a couple of upsets to clear out some fraudulent teams like Kentucky beat Florida, knocked them out. Then you had uh, I don't I didn't think it was fair that South Carolina fell out of the polls by losing to Georgia, even though they ranked 24. That's kind of tough to go right. out of the polls, losing to the number three team. Yeah, they um, got stomped pretty bad, though. Yeah. Wasn't but you're playing a number game. three team, though. Yeah, right. Um, well, and, 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 you know, Georgia did what they were supposed to do, which was just stomp an inferior team. And then Arizona State, they beat uh, Michigan State, which I thought were fraudulent. It's only a matter of time bet- before Penn State gets beat also. So Arizona State jumped into the polls. Oklahoma State jumped into the polls. So that's the only big shifts that you had in the polls this week. So are people believing in Herm Edwards now? Hey, Herm 2-0, and he's in the poll. He's so, already... Let's uh let's talk a little bit about the games coming up this week. Um, one game in particular that I'm I'm looking forward to, even though I'm sure not many other people are nationally. I mean, they might be, but we'll see. Uh, I'll definitely watch the USC Texas game. Uh, I think both of those teams. I, I think USC is the better team. I just think I think Texas is. I mean, let me ask you something. <laughs> do, do Texas. I think Texas thinks that they are better than they are like they that their brand is still you know just fantastic as far as but i would i wouldn't put them their brand ahead of you know the ohio states the alabamas the maybe the ellis eh, maybe lsu that but the ohio state alabama penn state even usc maybe is texas in that top five as far as like college brands go because they act like it but I, I don't see it anymore yeah they are i mean you have oklahoma another one yeah I mean, you have a lot of all those teams that you just named at one point had a period of time where they look like Texas. It's just really how long is that period going to last? The problem with Texas is that they're going through this period and they didn't have any penalties. Usually it's like NCAA shut down USC. Yeah, that's that's not happening. Texas is just suffering from bad coaching, bad decisions, just people that are still living in the 60s and 70s and not progressive. Right. So that's their problem. They're looking for something that they lost instead of looking forward and being progressive because they're still getting the talent there. I expect them to pull ahead of this at some point and make it back to that top tier. But overall, Texas is still in that upper echelon group. They're just in a downturn right now. Should have kept Charlie. I hope they fail every game for doing what they did to that man. Yeah, I think last year they would have been better with him because I don't I think agree. they – I don't think they would have called um, started Ellinger. That's the problem. Ellinger, I think that's his name. I can't remember how to pronounce his name. But he should have redshirted. Bushler or whatever, that dude yeah. is not as talented, but he's smarter. Ellinger makes some of the worst passes and decisions I've ever seen. He literally cost him three or four games last year. You would have a junior quarterback, in, or maybe he's a redshirt senior or something, but he would have been a, a veteran quarterback coming in there to lead your program, and Ellinger would have been a, a redshirt sophomore with three years left. They're just not they're not making the smart moves for their team. Yeah, um, I, I would expect USC to go in there and be pissed off, and, and I think USC's more talented, maybe better coached, um, although probably not by much than Texas. But I think that's going to be a good game. I, I think that'll be a fun game to watch. Um, another one that I'm looking forward to, obviously, is going to be... Uh, before you move on, let's just remember that Texas only beat Tulsa by seven points. So, Yeah, 
and, and refused <laughs> to change uh, their game planning for Maryland. So, yeah. Uh, but we've got a couple really good games as far as um, top 25 teams playing. You've got number four, Ohio State, at uh, 15, TCU. And you've got the, the main showdown, which is going to be um, number 12, LSU, and number seven, Auburn. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to that. That'll really show us where the SEC is. I don't necessarily think that a loss kills either of those teams, uh, but I, I'm looking forward to a great matchup. And then lastly, uh, not lastly, but one, again, man, Wisconsin just doesn't play anybody, and it really <laughs> pisses me off. Like, they play BYU, so they've played three cupcakes in a row, and I just I think it's so unfair, man, that I have to sit and watch this team and listen to them all year and say, hey, we're great. We, yeah, don't you know? We're fantastic. And then at, someone's going to come and whoop their ass. They're probably going to be Clemson. or I mean, somebody at some point is going to whoop their ass, and it's because they've never played. They don't play anyone ever. I'm tired I of I think it. they do play. Part of it is because of the division. This year. No, they don't. They play, I, I believe they play Michigan State and Penn State this year. But that's not saying much. They play Penn State this year, and that is it. They play Michigan, yeah, but Michigan's no good. They're ranked right now, but basically they play Michigan and and, and, uh, Penn State. Those are the only ranked teams they play all year. That's, I mean, that's that's stealing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, it's really not because they're always going to get the knock because more than likely they're going to have to play – Ohio State, and when they lose by 35 to Ohio State, it doesn't matter if they have one loss or not. They're not going to the college football playoffs. So they always have that last game that's going to be overwhelming. For one, because they play a cupcake schedule and they're just not as talented. But getting back to that LSU and Auburn game, I'm really excited for that because I think if Auburn can be impressive against LSU, they're really going to put Alabama on notice. I mean, they beat them last year. They came out and they beat a really good Washington team. If they can dominate and beat, they don't even have to dominate. But if they beat LSU, they put themselves in really good shape because they really, Auburn really needs this game for the simple fact that they have to play Georgia also. So you you don't want to take a loss to LSU. And I say that, I don't say it on the same way I do for LSU because I don't think LSU is a legit contender. I think they're good. I think they'll be good. But I don't think this is the year. For Auburn, I think they're good enough this year to compete for a title. I'd agree with that. Um... All right, man, let's touch on something before we get out of here. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what happened with Serena Williams over the weekend. Um, you know, I was watching that match uh, on Saturday. Was it Saturday? I Saturday. Sunday. Mm. The U.S. Open finals, right? Yeah. No, that's that the men's. The women's was Saturday. Oh, okay. Um, and so I was watching that, and... So I don't know how many people out there were. I'm sure everyone's heard by now. Serena Williams kind of had a meltdown, um, right or wrong. She had a meltdown against the match umpire, um, called him a thief and a liar, and he took a game from her. Um, And, you know, her point was that, you know, men say so much worse, and you're going to take a game away from me because I called you a thief. Uh, It's not right. And I felt just terrible for the entire situation. And all the classless people in New York – who were booing as you know both ladies were standing at the podium um, to receive their trophies. I mean, I felt so bad for Naomi Osaka that you know she earned the victory. She 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 outplayed Serena. She may yeah, have she won did. anyway, but for it to go down like that, I, I the look on her face and the tears rolling down her her face really kind of broke my heart for her. But I think that girl's the future of tennis. But talk about a little bit about what you think about what happened with Serena. 
Yeah, I think Sarita was completely in the wrong. I think she owes the uh, that young lady an apology because she stole her moment from her. Um, number one, it all started because she got a penalty for coaching because her coach sent some kind of signal to her. Um, so she got a warning for that. Once she got a warning for that, that led to everything else. But she spent the whole match arguing with that guy about the warning. Now, the, the, the tricky part about this is it's a hand signal and it's tennis. So it's subjective. Even if the guy was wrong and it wasn't a warning, she acknowledged that she understood why he would think it could be a signal. At that point, why are you still talking about it the whole match? So she talked about it the whole match, got angry and frustrated, probably because she was losing, then broke her racket. And then she continued to talk to the ref about it. So at some point he got fed up. So it wasn't like it was one incident of calling him a thief. It's the fact that she talked about it literally the whole match from the beginning. And the interesting part is the coach came out and said he was trying to send a signal, meaning she was completely wrong <laughs> in the whole situation. So let's let's touch base on that real fast. So yeah, I mean, but if you listen to you know tennis edge at legend, you know Chrissy Everett, um, you know the the people at the at the end of that were like, look, all coaches coach, they every single one of them does it, but they did it they did it in real time as to that coach's signals and to where Serena was looking. And A, she was on the other side of the court and could not see him. And by the time she actually did glance up, as she said, um, she thought he was giving her a thumbs up. And that's what she said to the to the ump was like, hey, I understand why you said why you did that. But a thumbs up is not a signal. I don't cheat. Um, you know, whatever. And, and I, 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 I like Serena. I think she's one of the greatest athletes of our time. I do think she went a little too far because she, then she started, you know, trying to hype up the crowd with like, I have a daughter and and I teach her what's right and it was just like all right I mean come on you know that that's not necessary uh, I, I think she got robbed I, I think that you know the fans were robbed of a great match even though I think Naomi Osaka probably would have won because that girl was on her game and Serena you know at the end of the day she kind of just lost her composure and, and she was out the game at, at that point see but the, the point isn't if the signal got to Serena the point is that the coach did it. So it's not her fault. She's not accountable, but that's her coach. It's just like in basketball. If a coach does something and get a tech, it's not the players on the court fault, but you're, you're penalized for it. So it doesn't right. matter but, if she saw it But they don't always call it. It's one of those they, things they where they, they call I mean, but, it sometimes and they don't call it the other. So it needs to be one way across the board because all coaches coach. But the point is, is that's just a warning. She didn't get right. penalized for that. Point. Everything else after that was all Serena throwing a tantrum because of a warning. She should have just chilled out and played her match. She used that as an excuse because I think she felt like she was overmatched. I will say this before we move on. Um, I just, you know, when I watch Serena's matches, I always appreciate and the, the fact that I get to remember how fine Kelly Rowland is. Cause she was <laughs> sitting in the crowd, and I was like, damn, Kelly Rowland is bad. Just like uh, Lala. I mean, whew, she keeps some, some talent in the backcourt, that's for sure. So, uh Anyway, man, let's talk a little bit about Devin Booker. He um, is having surgery and is in danger to miss the beginning of the season. Yeah, he hurt his hand. Do you think that that even matters for the Suns? Like, how would you rush him back? I mean, I wouldn't rush him back. The NBA season's so long, and you, you know, it's tough to say. You've got a young team. He's obviously the best player on that team. Um, but no, you don't rush him back. I, I don't even know how severe the injury is. 
um, how long are they saying he's supposed to be out for? He's out for six to eight weeks. It's a hand injury. Um, it's kind of a rough start for a young team that, you know, were excited because they just got the number one pick. They have a bunch of young players, but, I mean, they're not going anywhere. No, it's not like we're expecting them to, to contend. I mean, you obviously want to see some growth and some improvement with Josh Jackson. You want to see what your uh, rookie big man DeAndre Ayton can do. Um, and, you know, of, of course you want to see that three, that, that young trio that you have, including Devin Booker. Um, and and but, I think they're going to be a fun team. But, no, I, I would, you know, six to eight weeks. I mean, we're four weeks from the season started. I mean, he's going to be back in probably November. I, you know, he'll be fine. Yeah, I'm hoping. Just those hand injuries are always kind of iffy because when you come back, your hand is still kind of fragile. Um, I don't know if it's on his shooting hand or not, but it's just kind of a, a tough blow for a team that had some positive energy coming in. I just hope that Josh Jackson can, you know, show some improvement this year. Did they get a point guard? You know, <laughs> I was just trying to figure that out. They did, I can't, I, I, and I can't think of who it is, but they uh, – it was a veteran. Was Alfred Payton still from last year? No, but they signed somebody. They traded Alfred Payton. They traded for him for Alfred Payton, but Alfred Payton went to the New Orleans Pelicans. I don't know who their point guard they is. They got they got somebody that was I was like, oh yeah, they're gonna add veterans now, I, but I can't think of who it is. We're not in NBA mode yet. Yeah, it's uh, probably Shelvin Mack or somebody. <laughs> God. All right, so that's that's it. That's all, folks. But I do want to say, man, as we as we get further into this and we really get into the meat and potatoes of the sports season, that is the fall, you guys are going to get a lot of football talk. You're going to get a lot, a lot of NBA talk. Uh, Beatty and I, that's where our bread is butter, man. We both love the NBA, so I just want to kind of hit you with that up front. NBA season is going to be wild around here. Anything else you yep. want to add? Nope, just check us out on Instagram. Two smart at two smart dummies. That's the number two smart dummies. If you have any detailed thing you want to tell us about how we're idiots, that's fine. You can email us at smart dummies number two, the actual number two at gmail.com. And you can also hit us up on Twitter at two smart dummies also. That's it. That's all, folks. Y'all have a great week. We'll see you for fantasy football on Saturday. Peace.